Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Digging It with Eric Ritchie. It's a show about beach volleyball, club volleyball, high school, college, you name it. This show is loaded with content for the next hour plus. Later, we're going to talk about the college beach volleyball tournaments that are taking place this weekend, LSU, Tulane, Southern Miss, All those teams are in action this week, and we've got the man to help us break it down. Former Tulane head coach Wayne Hawley, now the founder and director of Beach Prospects and his analytics with these conference tournaments. You're going to want to stick around and watch and listen to that. We're going to be joined by club director Jake Palmer. He's a huge part of uh, Diggs in Covington uh, when they were up and running. Now he's the club director of Infinity South. We're going to talk to him about his new club. Legendary volleyball guru Bruce White. For 44 years, he's been an integral part of the volleyball community. He is retiring in less than a month. We're going to hear from Coach White and Talk a little bit about his last hurrah. He's coaching a boys club indoor team right here in the New Orleans area, and they are fantastic. But we're going to start this with Louisiana High School Beach Volleyball. It's the Louisiana High School Beach Volleyball League's inaugural year. And on Tuesday, they held their final four. It was Mount Carmel, the number one seed, Haynes Academy, two, Kenner Discovery 3 and Dominican 4, those four teams battling for the championship. Championship day for the Louisiana High School Beach Volleyball League, and this day belonged to Mount Carmel. Net 3, Emma Ritchie with the sixth serve in the semifinals versus Dominican. Her partner, Julia Sabwa, showing the versatility with the left hand, and Mount Carmel advances into the finals versus Haynes Academy. Let's take you to net one, some big girl volleyball. It's the Voshe sisters, Virginia and Maryland, taking on Nola Savan and Olivia Meyer. And my goodness, with the big time hit from Virginia. The next point, absolute nastiness from Virginia again with the brilliant corner shot, and Haynes takes set one on net one. Okay, let's head to net two. Mia Lopez and Emily Caracy for Mount Carmel facing Bella Granados and Claire Coward. Lopez, just a freshman, such a smart player, great dump here. Then it's Caracy going with the power for the kill. Mount Carmel evens things up, winning set one on the middle net. Let's check in on court three. Sabwa and Richie up to their old tricks. Richie, another six serve for the ace. Then it's Sabwa, again going with the left hand for the kill, and MCA rolls to victory in set one. Keep it on this net for the second set. And like all season, Richie and Sabwa rolling. Going for more power late in this one. First, Sabwa, then it's Richie. Closing it out with the straight sets win on court three, They didn't lose a set all season and give Mount Carmel the first point in the championship, now leading 1-0 in this best of three duel. Back to net one and it's Mount Carmel looking good. Meyer with the smart, sweet touch. Later, her partner, Savan, with the great shot, back line and Mount Carmel evens things up one set apiece on net one. On net two, things are going to even out as well. Granados just continues to raise her game. One of the best shots of the championship right here with this misdirection slam. Bella can flat out play. And how about Cower? Great up and on set point for the kill. And we're headed to a third set on net two as well. 
It was tight, but in the end, Mount Carmel scoring when it counted. Lopez with the little cutty. Then, championship point, Caracy with the kill, giving Mount Carmel the 2-1 win on court two, and their second point in the duel, clinching the championship with a 2-0 lead. On net one, don't tell these four college-level players that it's over. Big hits, insane ups, and all-out hustle like here from Olivia Meyer deep into set three to close it out. The Voshe sisters again with the hustle, and it's going to be little sis, Marilyn with the kill to end a tremendous rally. Then on set point, Marilyn off the tape, dumps it home for the ace. Spectacular match to end out the season. 28-26 the final as Haynes gets a point, but Mount Carmel gets the trophy for the championship. That's right, Susan Levy, the head beach volleyball coach and Mount Carmel's AD. April Hagedon getting in that picture for the trophy shot. Also there, Gisela Estrada and Brooke Dara, who won the Paris tournament. So all out, a tremendous day for Mount Carmel, winning the Louisiana High School Beach Volleyball League Championship 2-1. to one. So congratulations to Mount Carmel winning that first Louisiana High School Beach Volleyball League Championship. Good stuff. Let's go to our next subject, and that is Bruce White. He has been integral in the volleyball community in the Gulf Coast area for over four decades. Think of this, 29,000 teams have registered for his leagues over the last 40 years. He recently was given the Lifetime Achievement Award by the Emerald Coast Volleyball Club over at FUDS that they had the huge tournament this past week. Well, Bruce was busy during the tournament. This picture was probably taken Monday or Tuesday because his last hurrah will be a boys club volleyball team, Blue Crab, and what a team he has. We have so much content from Bruce White, who is retiring at the end of May, that we're going to hold off and make it a two-part series, if you will. We're going to hear from the players from Blue Crab Volleyball next week. We're going to devote these next 10 minutes to just Bruce White to talk about not only that team, which he is very, very high on, but his career and getting ready to retire and step away from volleyball. Here now, Bruce White at a recent practice this past Monday for Blue Crab Boys Club Volleyball. Well, actually, it's a boys team. I don't even have a whole club. It's just one team, nine boys that I've been coaching. And some of the guys were getting ready to join a team over in Houston, and I didn't like the idea of those some of the best boys in Louisiana going to play for another state. So I talked to some of the parents. I told them that I'd coach for two years. I wasn't trying to build a club. I'm gonna coach a team. And when these guys graduated, it was time for me to become a full-time granddad. <laughs> well, what's it been like? This is a heck of a team. You got some unbelievable players. What has this year been like for you coaching with this team? I'm gonna tell you guys right now, this team, I'm not making them a better team. They're making me a better coach. I've never had a team that was this excellent. I have to learn more things to do. How do I improve my coaching so I can improve them? And it's been great. You know, it's been a tough year. I know that I'm leaving. There's a lot of sad times. You know, Mary and I are moving to Savannah. My wife's already over there. And these kids are now in my new family. 
And, you know, if I'm down or something, going to a tournament with these kids, hey, they pump me up. You know, it's been a really good situation. You just touched on it, so I'm just gonna stay right there. Okay. Your retirement. Tell us the background on why now that you feel it's time for you to, to step away from volleyball. Well, this is 44 years that I've been doing outdoor volleyball and indoor volleyball in the New Orleans area. I had planned to do it two years ago. I sort of had a goal of reaching my 1,000th tournament as a director, and that was in the middle of COVID. And it just wasn't the right time to go. I knew that when my oldest daughter and the four grandchildren got settled in and they moved to Savannah in July of last year, I knew my wife was heading that direction. And I knew that a happy life was, I need to find a way to get myself back to Savannah with the grandkids and the wife. So I knew that by the end of May of 2023, they would be settled in, in Savannah. I'll be back and forth and I'll always have roots in, in New Orleans. I'm keeping property around this area and I'll always be a part of White Sands and Seager Sandbar. What about um, the part of volleyball you're going to miss the most? Whew, I know what it, I'm not going to miss the most and that's trenching after rainstorms in New Orleans. <laughs> uh, Really, it, what I'm going to miss the most is all the friends that, that uh, I've made in over the 40 years of doing volleyball in this area. On this team that I'm coaching right now, there's two of the players that I coached their moms when they were 10 and, and 12 and 13. And now I'm coaching their sons, and that's been great. I've seen most of these kids, when their parents were playing here at, the, at either Coconuts or at White Sands, they were just little kids coming out, hanging out with their parents, and now I'm coaching them and some of these guys who are getting college scholarships to head on the next four years. Tell me what um, you're most proud of in these four-plus decades of being around the sport of volleyball, being instrumental to so many people having a chance to play beach volleyball, the, the things that you've taught. I'm sure your coaching tree spans across the country. What are you most proud of, what you've accomplished in this sport? I think the, the thing I'm most proud of is how we built a volleyball community. You know, everybody has sat there and said, oh, you did this or you did that. Really, the volleyball players did it. You know, when Mike Drury and I made, built the, the original Coconut Beach, it was the volleyball players that came out and made it an atmosphere and an exciting place to be. And the thousands, I've had 29,000 teams play in our leagues over the last 40 years. And that is probably the thing that I'm the most proud of. I have no idea how many state championships the coaches that started underneath in the jazz program back when we had the Volley Gators. And now we have so many of these people running their own clubs and running high school and running state championships all over the place. That's awesome, that's awesome. Let me ask you about this team. Give me some of the, the names. I know we're gonna be talking to Joshua. I saw you in Baton Rouge at, at Block Party and you were raving about your setter, Matt, and what he could do on any big time program right. around the country. Tell me about some of these players, coach, that we're about to meet. Well, you know, it, it, everything on this team starts off with Josh Lewandowski is, is as good of a high school volleyball player I have ever seen. 
and he's, he's only six foot three. So that's why the big schools aren't looking at him. But this young man is as good as anybody. And everybody in New Orleans knows of the best volleyball player out of New Orleans and the AVP level is Evan Corey out of all the guys. And I watched Evan all the way through his high school career. I think Josh is actually better than Evan was at that time. Now, let's see how he does in college and, and moves forward, but I'm expecting great things. Our setters, both of them, but Matthew is unbelievable setter. He is magic with the volleyball. I mean, he really can do some things that so many of these other setters can't do. And as far as serving, I've told, I told a coach from Virginia yesterday, I said, if, I know that if I had Matthew in a program where we could work every day, most of the time during the year, I feel that he could lead the nation in serving aces. I've never seen anybody at any level spin a volleyball as fast as he can. And when you can put that much rotation on the ball, that means you can hit it harder and it's just going to drop even faster and faster. You know, we, we have new boys that Chase is playing in our middle. Chase literally, first time he ever played hard court was October of this year, you know, of, of 2022. He'd been on the beach and he, we picked him on up. And every one of these kids, it's, it's so fun to see how much they've improved. You know, one of the young men, he, it changed his life. I mean, he literally, once he got on the team, he started eating better. He started working out. He dropped 30 pounds. And now he's turned into a great volleyball player. And, you know, he's like, oh, we'll, I get to be used once in a while. You know what? At the block party tournament where we won the open tournament, Andrew had to go all the way around because we were missing some of our players. He ended up playing back row and front row on a men's open team or a boys open team, winning the tournament that I never thought we were going to win that tournament. <laughs> Excellent. So not much more of this season left. Take us through what's next for this team and um, the goals that you still have out there that you'd like to accomplish. Well, as a coach, my goal has always been one thing. Can I improve the players? You know, it's, for me, it's not about winning. It's getting them better. How do I get them better? How do I improve them? How do I get their confidence better? You know, there's something uh, that just came across the, the internet the other day about Kristen Nuss, one of the other greatest players that we may ever see, hopefully an Olympian. And everybody said, uh, five foot six and she's got all these skills. What do you think is, Kristen's best skill, and I responded, her confidence, okay? And confidence is a scary skill that a lot of coaches, they'll lose a player's confidence instead of saying, how do I get this kid back up? Oh, you did this wrong, you chew him on out. Well, just, I promise you, I'll dress him down, but I'll be ready right to push him back saying, hey, I haven't lost confidence in you. Let's go back in there and let's do it again. And these are the things that you hope for. We have really two main tournaments left, our regional uh, championship in Mobile this coming up weekend, and then the national championships in Orlando that we're working f f towards. You know, all I'm concerned about, me winning a tournament, what, I'm gonna get another trophy or another volleyball or another medal? No, I want these kids to go and play their best. You play your best, 
That's all that's important to me. So from boys club volleyball to girls club volleyball, where we head to Metairie at the Acme Oyster House and where we find our next guest, Jake Palmer, who is a longtime player, coach, and now club director. Let's go to him now live. Jake Palmer joins us. And Jake, how are things going? Great to have you on. We've been talking about it for months. We finally got you. I'm doing great, man. Thanks for asking. It's good to be here. And uh, yeah, I'm glad we're finally, finally carved out the time to get it done. Everything's going good, man. Just you know, trying to burn the candle at both ends while I got the energy to do it. And uh, you are. family's good, you, business is good, we're, we're doing great. You amaze me. Director of operations at Acme Oyster House, and you're all over the place in the New Orleans area, Houston. You, you're just everywhere. But every time I look up at a volleyball court, I'm bumping into you. So you are burning the candle at both ends. You got an awesome family. And, um, you know, we really, uh, I, I guess before we get into that, let's let's find out how you got into volleyball. What is your volleyball background? Well, it's, I probably watched uh, Top Gun one too many times, or, or uh, in reality, it was probably the movie Side Out when I was, I don't know, I was about 12 or 13. I, I kind of got, got exposed to that movie, and, and a couple of buddies, we decided to learn how to play, and it just took off from there. I started playing. Um, majority of my play was, was on the beach, and and. Uh, mediocre career at best, but I played at the YMCA in Metairie. Um, that's kind of where I where I cut my teeth, and then and then got to a point where I was I was I was playing well enough that some players asked me to to go to Coconut Beach, and I had never been there. And um, I, I went out to the Coconut Beach in West End and just absolutely fell in love. So I uh, fell in love with the game. Played mostly beach. Got into indoor when I was uh, you know a little later in high school and in, the, in college. But um, just have always loved the the game, loved the strategy, loved the fact that it gives you an opportunity to to display some explosive athleticism, power, strategy, but also requires you to really think on your feet more more than many other sports. So it's just a it's a beautiful game, and I've, I've always loved it. Love love coaching it too. Love watching kids um, kind of go through the rites of passage, getting their first jump serve. Or, getting their first, you know, power kill or block or whatever it might be. Um, just fun to watch people, people enjoy the game. Well, you, you, you tongue in cheek, you know, say mediocre career as a player at best, but man, you picked up the game, the cerebral side, the, the tactician in you, you know, you do, you did teach those kids the fundamentals. And I remember, you know, I'm going to take you back to, to the COVID year, 2020, and uh, we're trying to get Emma prepared to make a run at an indoor team at Mount Carmel. So, but we can't get into a gym anywhere. We're, you know, we live in Destrehan and we're all over Metairie, New Orleans. We just can't get into a gym. So we got to get her out there somewhere. So we started, you know, that's really when Emma started playing beach and we went up to digs. We met you and Amy and your children and instantly had a feel good moment up there because um, you guys were so welcoming to, you know, us as, you know, we weren't the North Shore people and the, you know, the, 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 the gang that you guys ran with. But you had, and we got video of it too, you ran Heat Wave Academy where you sh taught those players the fundamentals like you were just talking about. You know, take us back to Diggs in Covington and the Heat Wave Academy and, and what that meant to you to be such an instrumental part for so many young players' careers. Yeah, you know, it was um, it was it was a tremendous opportunity. Uh, you know, my, my partner in the deal, Brandon Migliori, was a 
you know, just a great volleyball benefactor for, for the North Shore. And, and, and uh, we built a we built a, a top notch facility, in my opinion. And, and they had some we had some moments of really high level play out there. And, and but, but what I enjoyed the most was kind of the junior side of things and watching watching the kids come out and coach. And, and it, it really it, it gave us something to do during COVID that we could look back on and smile about. And, and a lot of people just didn't, you know, a lot of people didn't have that opportunity. They were either locked up, they didn't get out as much as they wanted to. We, my wife and my kids and myself, we spent every day, every evening out, outside on the sand teaching and playing the game that we love. So it was, it was as good for me um, as it was for anybody else out there. And I'm, I'm, I hope that I helped, uh, you know, Emma for sure. She's a great little player and super coachable. I always enjoyed coaching her. Um, Thank you, and you did. We, you did help her. No doubt. No, it was it was awesome. And and not only did we go to your Heat Wave Academy, but you guys had hot shot tournaments. You had juniors tournaments. You know, people were like, "Well, why don't you guys just move to the North Shore? You're up here so much." And we thoroughly enjoyed that. And I wanted to, you know, publicly thank you for, you know, what you did for not only Emma, but just the video we just showed. You can see it in their faces. You can see your passion for teaching the game, and you did just a wonderful job. So let's move forward. You know, I know you and your daughter were part of the CDC club and all of a sudden this new club appears and we all know about Infinity South from Mississippi, but now, or Infinity, the golf, the, 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 the volleyball club from, from Mississippi, but now there's Infinity South and that's a bunch of North Shore players that we recognize from the school, high schools up there. And man, you guys are making waves right away. Tell me about how this in Infinity South project started. Tell me about that first, and then I want to show some video in just a minute. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as you mentioned, we were uh, – my, my daughter, both of my daughters, or two of the three, and myself were, were part of the uh, CBC club. And um, when that when that club kind of folded, there was a bit of a vacuum. And, and fortunately, the folks from Jackson, uh, Hazelwoods, Brian and Jenny, they were, they were looking to expand their club into this market. And so um, I, I guess there's in some ways it could be considered a seamless transition. We went from one club to another. Uh, in, in all honesty, it was, it was, you know, nothing with volleyball is ever seamless, but there was a vacuum created by the, by the departure of CBC from the market. And um, I'm, I'm super proud to be, to be part of the infinity family. And um, you know, we, we operate kind of separately in a different region, but, but I've always got the, the Hazelwoods to, to reach out to if, if, if I need anything. And it, it really has kind of worked out tremendously well, considering that there was a, there was a moment there where it looked like we may not have the same club opportunities for all of these kids that were part of a, part of a big successful club because it, because it was closing down. Uh, so, so really happy to be able to offer something and, and uh, hope to just be a small part of, of of the development of these kids, you know? No. And, and like I said, you've, you've made waves on this show. We've shown some of your teams that have uh, won tournaments already. Uh, Jeremy White, the Southeastern coach, you know, what a get to have a division one college coach, you know, coaching a 17s team. You've got a 17s team. Let me take you to your, to your uh, 17s. Uh, Caroline Harris, a Mount Carmel player is on that team. Tell me about your 17s. We've got some video I want to show you from, um, from Southern Hospitality in Jackson, and tell me about your squad. Yeah, um, you know Caroline. Caroline plays in the middle position for us. She's uh, she's she's very she's a very effective attacker for us, and certainly uh, 
plays a big role on the, on the defense. You know, as you know, the middle, the, it's the, the position is called middle blacker. So their first job is to kind of go, go pen to pen and, and Caroline along with, with the other players on the team, everybody's just been putting in tremendous effort. It's, um, you know, we, we really do it, it, it. We win a lot. We don't win everything, but when we lose, we typically have made our opponent work real hard. So that's kind of the, one of the tenets of our team is, is, is asking those questions after a match, right? If we've, if we've been successful, we want to celebrate that and, and, and talk about what it was that led to success. But, but on the occasion that we get, you know, we get upset or we get beat. Uh, the real question is, did, did we make the opponent earn their points or did, did we give it to them? And uh, it's, it's been a pleasure to coach these girls. They're a lot of fun. You know, that it's when you, when kind of transitioning from the, 15s and 16s and the 17s and in a lot of cases you're going from from what could be described as girls volleyball to women's volleyball and so you're you're dealing with 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 young women who have strong personalities and they have lives outside of of volleyball so you you're watching them um, navigate through the world of competing demands while also trying to stay committed to their teammates and their team and their academics and you know some of them have jobs so it's just been a it's been a learning experience for us all. I really love them. They're 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 great to be around. They 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 keep me young in a lot of ways. Uh, but they're also, and sometimes they're they're taking years off my life too. So it's, I guess that's the way it goes with this game. No doubt, no doubt. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, your daughter's team, Olivia. She's on the 16s and the 15s as well that we captured video of up in um, up in Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Olivia, my oldest daughter, she plays on the 16s team, which is coached by Hannah White. Uh, who is the head coach at Lakeshore High School? Uh, this is a super talented group too. We've got we've got a lot of really really talented players on the team, um, you know. And and I I kind of intentionally have stepped away from coaching my own kids and want to get them exposed to to other coaches because I think that that's an important thing. So um, I try not to attend all of their practices. I allow the coaches to do uh, at least at least with Hannah, allow them to do their their job with a little bit of, of anonymity. Very, very happy with the results that that team has, has been getting. I mean, they've, they've got they've got room to grow. There's a ton of athleticism on the team, and um, I think I'm hoping that they're going to continue to improve and hit that hit the stride as we as we head into nationals. Last couple of tournaments of the year are local, so cut down on some of the traveling. Uh, Playing New Orleans. The last two tournaments of the year and then head to Orlando in June. So really excited. The future is bright for, you know, for a lot of the kids in the club, man. I just, I feel like we have, we have a lot of really talented athletes and good, good kids and good parents too. That's, that's kind of the, you've got to have it all. If you want to be successful in the club side of things, you got to have good coaches, good athletes and, and parents who are going to support the development of those athletes. No, well put, and and you've got all that too. And um, we're going to see you at AAU Super Regionals in New Orleans, and we're going to see you in Orlando uh, at uh, Nationals as well. Before we let you go, Jake, I want you to tell people what you want them to know about Infinity South, and if they're a, a young beach or a young indoor volleyball player that wants to to join a club and might be looking for uh, you know a, a different scene or something new. What do you want them to know, and, and how can they contact you with Infinity South? Well, our, our Instagram page is uh, Infinity South LA, and they can. Uh, that's probably the best way to kind of communicate with us. Uh, my my daughter manages the the Instagram page, so uh, I, I'm not. That's not awesome. not one of my strengths. 
you know, we kind of talked about this, I guess, in, in the early parts of developing and in the, in the early season meetings, um, kind of what our mission was going to be. And, and uh, a, a lot of it was just recognizing that most of these kids, many of the kids in our club are part of a, of a varsity program. And if they're not part of it now, they will be part of it in the future. They're, they're playing JV volleyball. They're playing varsity volleyball. They're playing eighth or ninth grade, whatever, whatever it may be. And that season, having gone through it with, uh, as a coach, I coached for, for SSA for a little while. And then my daughter plays for SSA. The, the high school season, as it should be, is it requires a tremendous amount of commitment. These kids practice five days a week. They lift weights. They travel to matches. They're doing it all while they're going to school. So we went into this club business from the standpoint of we want to compete at the highest level that we possibly can, but we really want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to, to enhance and restore the love of the game for the kids and, and making sure that things are fun, that they are allowed to enjoy the traveling and that they're recognizing it as this is not just about volleyball. It's about spending time with your family, recognizing the sacrifice that, that your teammates make to be with you, that your parents make to provide you with the opportunity to travel and play volleyball. So it's, it's, we want it to be fun and a, and a restorative um, we wanted to have a restorative functionality as it relates to the love of the game because my, my goal is to deliver tremendously positive athletes and, and uh, back to their varsity programs if that's what they're if that's what they're doing with their volleyball life. Well, that's that's pretty well put. And I, I, I really encourage people that if you're on the fence, you're looking for a new club to, to actually get in touch with you guys at Infinity South. I'm so impressed with what you've been able to do in one year, Jake. And it says a lot about you and uh, the people that have put that together. So well done. Can't wait to see you. I just want to thank you for that. But I do want to just, I have a great team. The the group of coaches that I have that, that that decided to join our club, uh, in my opinion, is second to none. And that, that's where the success is. It's, you know, it, it, having my wife helping me with, with some of the uh, kind of the administrative side of things, Hannah White, who is the, like I mentioned earlier, she's a coach. She's also my assistant director and then all of the coaches um you know from top to bottom very thankful to have all of them as part of the club and i hope that they've enjoyed it as well because that was one of the goals was to make make sure that everybody involved all of the all of the stakeholders in the club from the parents to the coaches and the kids certainly that everybody has an enjoyable experience well we certainly appreciate it and um continued success we will see you on the trail, my friend, and thanks for all that you do for, um, you know, encouraging and expanding the game of volleyball. For sure, man. Thank you for your time, and tell them I said hello. We'll talk soon. We'll do it. We'll do it. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. Ta- take care. Time to take a break here on Digging It with Eric Ritchie. When we return, we go from the club scene and head right into college beach volleyball tournaments are coming up and we've got the guy to break down the brackets we're talking about wayne holly the former two-lane coach joins us next here on digging it with eric ritchie brought to you by bayou granite and marble we're back after this Since 2000, Bayou Granite has grown to be Southeast Louisiana's largest fabricator of stone countertops. From precise laser measurements to state-of-the-art water jet and CNC machines, we can handle your kitchen and bath needs as well as any commercial projects. Let our expert staff design and customize the right material for your home or business. Stop by our new state-of-the-art fabrication facility and showroom today at 9622 East Main Street or call us at 985-637-4911. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. 
The Sports Pub and Grill in Destrehan has it all. A great place to watch the game, daily drink specials, and you won't believe the food. From our fresh 10-ounce burgers, fully loaded baked potatoes, and great salads, too, like taco salad and grilled chicken. Need something to rinse it down with? How about one of our refreshing daiquiris? A great atmosphere for the whole family. Just a few miles west of the airport. The Sports Pub and Grill, 3001 Ormond Boulevard in Destrehan. Welcome back to Digging It with Eric Ritchie. And as promised, we're going to the beach volleyball circuit, but we're going to go the collegiate style. A lot of conference championships were determined last week, but there are some biggies taking place this weekend. And we have got an awesome analyst to help us break it down. We're talking about Wayne Holly. And you might remember the name from a former head coach at Tulane, where he was a very impressive run with the Green Wave, 109 wins, almost a 600 winning percentage. Coach Holly became the ninth Division I beach volleyball coach to achieve over 100 wins. He had three straight 20-plus win seasons at Tulane. And then where he's at now, he has founded Beach Prospects. He is not only the founder, but the CEO. And he joins us now live from Delray Beach, Florida, Coach Holly, let me just tell you, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I feel like I'm calling in your show. First-time caller, long-time follower. You do great work with Beach Prospects. You know, it's my buddy Mike Cassidy and Jason Doeys and myself. We're geeks with volleyball, and you do a terrific job. Welcome to the program, and how are things treating you in Delray Beach? Hey, Delray is fantastic. I love to be here. And uh, thanks, Eric. I really appreciate coming on and chatting about my, uh, you know, my first love beach volleyball. So I think uh, I think you like to do that, too. So I think we're going to get along just great here. I, I think we're all are, are, are we best friends? I'm like, holy Jesus, that's just like how it was with Mike Cassidy. He's like, you got a daughter that plays beach. I got a daughter that plays beach. So anyway, you got a daughter that goes to college at Southern Mass. Oh, my God, I'm following you. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, we could volleyball geek out all all the way. But let's just start where it began with you and your background in volleyball. Obviously, not only, you know, a head coach at Tulane, but you were assistant coach at many different levels and juniors. And, you know, your accolades, I mean, are highly impressive. But where did it all begin for you in this sport of volleyball? Yeah, I've had a, a quite an original uh, path toward coaching, you know, and uh, I started out as a practicing law for a really long time in New York and, you know, and uh, did that for a long time and eventually, um, you know, retired from that to try to give volleyball a shot. I always loved doing it. I grew up on a beach playing and so, um, you know, started out like most people, you know, high school job and try to do that well and, you know, get an opportunity in college. And I did. And as a young coach, I was given a chance at Brown University. Um, up in Providence, Rhode Island as a young um, second assistant coach and got to learn a lot up there. And around the same time, I started with um, USA Beach Volleyball. Back then, it was called the High Performance Program. And uh, I just sent them a cold email and said, hey, can I fly down to Florida? I was living up in Connecticut at the time. And and I see you doing a camp. Can I fly down and walk around and shag balls and listen to the coaches and try to learn? And they said, come on down. So um, that's kind of where it started. And then I, I, I worked my way through the ranks with USA Volleyball on the beach side and kept getting opportunities and kept trying to, you know, do a good job and maximize those chances and worked my way through that system and got to be a, a volunteer and then an assistant and then a head coach with the, with the beach national teams and 
kind of got a really great chance to learn a lot about coaching um, in that system with a lot of really great, great people that I was surrounded by. And that really kind of stoked my passion for coaching. And, um, you know, I, I then got an opportunity to fly to New Orleans and interview for the job at Tulane. And this is now going back to about 2012. So it was just when beach volleyball in college was starting. In fact, um, 2012, I believe, was the first season. And I started at Tulane in 2013, and that was Tulane's second season. And then I got a chance to to kind of spearhead that program for the next six seasons. And, you know, a lot of good memories from Tulane. It was um, – I really missed the players. Had a great opportunity to, to build a program from the beginning and um, get it off the ground, um, you know, bring in the first kind of beach-only team there and, you know, develop a culture and get the program uh, on the map. You know, there were years where we had, you know, some some appearances in the national rankings. And back then, of course, there was a pairs championship when the ABCA was running it. This is before, of course, the NCAA took over the sport in 2016. So, um, you know, the AVCA used to run a championship and run a pairs championship. So we got to do that and and really got the program off and running and had a, had a nice run over there at Tulane. And, um when I left there, I spent a year at Georgia State with my good friend, Coach Beth Van Fleet over there. I got to be her assistant, and uh, that was just a, a fantastic time. I got to meet a lot of awesome people, from players to coaches to administration over there. It was um, nothing but wonderful, fond memories over there. And then COVID hit, and during COVID, it was nearing my 10th year in College Beach. I, uh, I decided, like a lot of people, to go in a different direction, and uh, I got down to Florida during COVID, and um, never really left. So that's kind of where we got started with Beach Prospects. That's a tremendous run. And we're going to dive into some more of the coaching aspect of it. But I want to go back to the very first part of your answer. Those 10 years as a lawyer, I know you were delving into that white collar crime stuff. And, and I know now you're so much into analytics. So I guess my obvious question would be those 10 years as a lawyer, what were you able to, um, apply to your coaching style. And I know you dove into analytics and you had to study in both professions, but what did Wayne Holly as a lawyer, how, how did he help Wayne Holly as a coach? <laughs> yeah. Funny question because it wasn't planned, right? I mean, I don't know if anyone <laughs> put that plan together, uh, but you know, you, you go in the direction that life takes you. And it's funny because I've thought about that question a lot looking back and of course it wasn't planned, but um you know, I enjoyed my time practicing law. I certainly loved law school and the rigor that it brought, uh, you know, intellectually and the discipline that it brought and the competitiveness that it brought. Um, practicing law in New York is uh, an, kind of an exhilarating, very um, intellectual experience in a, an awesome, incredible city that is monumentally competitive. And, um, you know, we were on the edge of a lot of things when we were doing law there. Um, it was right around the time that, uh, you know, to get off volleyball, the government started to prosecute the types of cases that I was handling. And so that was really good timing. But, you know, it, it, it forced a lot of discipline. It, it, you learned to work very hard for what you needed to do. Um, you learned how to, um, you know, be over prepared for things. Um, and, you know, the preparation, the discipline that the law required, um, you know, really translated well to coaching. Um, and certainly it's translated to, you know, what I'm doing more recently because, 
you know, you have to learn how to represent a client and, and, and what clients needs and how to communicate with them and, um, you know, how to be a, a zealous advocate and be informed and be able to provide a client uh, information that they need and a plan or strategy that they need. So whether it's law, whether it's what we do now, you're essentially working with other people to help solve their problems. And so in that sense, it's really all the same. The preparation I hear in that answer as well, but I go back to the competitiveness. Now I want to take you to your days as the head coach at Tulane and kind of dive into that a little bit more. And during those years, you were not only, as you said, you had Tulane, a, a, literally a fresh program in the national mm. rankings, but as far as the other women's athletics on the campus during that time, you were the winningest program. And even the throwing the men during that run, you were one of the tops and if not the tops during one of those years, tell me about the days at Tulane. And um, when you look back, you know, what are you most proud of or what comes to mind when you think of your days as a green wave beach volleyball head coach? <laughs> yeah, you're right. We were given an opportunity. I mean, I think any coach would love the opportunity to have a clean slate, right? Um, and and we essentially walked in with that. We were able to um, kind of get the program off and running in our direction right away and immediately start to put our stamp on it. So um, in that sense, um, that was one of the great opportunities that not everyone gets. So sometimes, you know, life just deals you a good hand and you, and you run with it. But, you know, fondest memories there, you know, when I was doing it and certainly as a young coach and throughout much of my time there, you know, you, you get obsessed with winning and you try to get, you know, a good record and you want to get in the polls and you look for all these outside benchmarks, right? I mean, are we in the poll? Are people voting for us? What do they think of us? Are we nationally known? Are we spreading the brand, right? And those types of things. Um, but I've certainly come around to the view now and, and you know, while I was there, it, uh, you know, some of the more memorable things are I recently had a player reach out who's working for NASA. Right. So Tulane's obviously a great academic school. And and we had a lot of students who were academically oriented there. I think you go to Tulane to get a great degree and go make your mark in the world as a professional. And you happen to be great at volleyball. That's awesome. So, um you know, we have I have people reach out to me from time to time, former players, and say, "Hey, look, we appreciate the time we got to spend with you, or appreciate the culture you were building there, or um, you know, we appreciate how you allowed us to choose the classes we wanted around practice." And you know, she sent me a, a you know a shirt from NASA, and I thought that was pretty cool. So when players reach out. Um, and they're grateful for their experience while I was there, and they think that I had some influence in that, then um, there's no question that's far more rewarding than anything, um, you know, that happened on the court or a win or a loss or anything like that. So during that run, so you're, you know, year two, everything is new. Everything had to be new. So, you know, you're learning, but you're, players that you're recruiting and their families, you know, they have to be clueless. This is all brand new. You know, they're probably telling their families, Hey, I'm going to play college volleyball. And they don't even know what beach volleyball was or playing on the sand. And so that prompted you and you and I talked on the phone earlier this week, kind of like right then you realized firsthand you're, you're, you know, dealing with these parents that had no idea the process and the questions and, you know, the, the intrepid nation of just, you know, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. And that leads to <laughs> beach prospects, which is what you're doing now. So tell us about beach prospects, how it started, what it does, and 
what you would like to tell potential high school players and their families, how you can help them navigate that, you know, sometimes very scary process. Yeah. I mean, I suppose, you know, Beach Prospects was something that was born out of my experience with coaching and a lot of my observations while recruiting players. So I suppose it was probably a more obvious transition than the transition from law to coaching. <laughs> but in my second major transition in my life, you know, when I went from coaching to this, it was, you know, Beach Prospects was an idea that was formed while I was still coaching. And, you know, as I said, I was recruiting athletes, of course, and scouring the earth, going to tournaments and, um, Every time I had chances to talk to players or just listen to them, right? If you walk around a tournament and you just listen to what people are saying, you can learn a lot about what they care about and what they're confused by. And, um, you know, my impression was that, you know, people were uh, confused by the recruiting process. They didn't really know how it worked. They didn't understand when things did happen, why they happened. They didn't know how to reach out to coaches, what to say. They didn't know how, whether coaches would reply and if they did, why or why not. Um, I just felt like there was a lot of confusion in the process and it was cloaked in kind of some mystery because the rules were, you know, unavailable, esoteric or so dense that nobody could really understand them. And so I thought, wow, you know, what a great opportunity it may be to be someone in a position who's recruited a lot of athletes uh, and been on the coaching side of it. Um, to bring some information based on experience to, uh, you know, families and help them to understand the process better. And hopefully with that level of understanding, they could, you know, both make better choices and do that, you know, with a lot less anxiety and, you know, going back to the log and everything I've done, I feel like has been, uh, has served me well in the next step. I mean, you know, um, whether it's coaching, whether it's in division one, you know, a great, a mastery of complex rules and making sure you're not violating them and handling budgets and things like that. So what I'm doing now, right, really translated very well. Um, so, you know, Beach Prospects now is a, a small consulting um, business that I run and it really is, is private advising and consulting to families who are um, navigating the beach volleyball recruiting process. So I, I try to bring, um, you know, a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience um, to that job so I can help families, you know, um, really navigate the process. You know, it's it's and I think of it, it it's less Wayne in Beach Prospects is a, is is less a go between between prospects and coaches and more standing behind prospects. Um, 98 percent of our communication is with our clients and just guiding them, helping young people to. Uh, think about, you know, where they want to go, help them to uh, be good advocates for themselves, to speak for themselves, whether it's in person or through email or on the telephone, um, to think about what they do well and how to communicate that to someone else and to build their confidence and grow them into, you know, young adults who can go out in the world and pursue, you know, an opportunity, just like they will have to do a job later. And so we really work hard to help them develop those skills and not do it for them. Um, and so um, that's really what it is. It's it's private advising, just trying to help families who um, are are confused or need a professional to assist them. And, you know, we bring a lot of um, you know not not guidance in the form of strategy. Um, you know, how to communicate, when to communicate. You know, what methods of recruiting will be done by certain coaches and not by others, or what time of year. To rules based things like 
you know, if you go to a camp right now, you know, the coach may not be able to speak to you about recruiting because there's a rule in place that blocks that. Or, you know, if you go to this tournament, don't expect college coaches because it's a dead or quiet period and they won't be there. So things like that, that a lot of people don't know. Right. And so um, that is really in a nutshell what we're really trying to do with Beach Prospects. No, it's excellent. And the, the word that I hear over and over, Coach Wayne, is relationships. When it comes to recruiting, the relationships. And as you said, building these these young players into, you know, as you said, you know, portraying what they do best and trying to get that message out on their own and not having a parent do it for them or send that email or make that phone call. Um, and the relationships, my goodness, you know, your years – uh, as a beach volleyball coach, you know, a decade of coaching, uh, you know, at a high, high level, you know, you as a, you know, as a, I guess, a, as you know, you said that as an advisor, but you know, you can help them with those recruiting processes. You you can call a coach and, and, and you know, say, hey, if you're looking for, you know, a, a defender or a split blocker, you know, I've got this person, this person. So the relationships that you've even built more since you've been in coach left coaching and now with beach recruits, the analytics side. And, and again, from the onset of our interview, I told you that's the, the content that you crank out with beach prospects analytics and the breakdown of even teams that aren't in the top 20, right? You have a, a compassion sure. for those teams that are doing great stuff just outside the top 20, but man, we've got all these, you know, conference tournaments that are coming up. We want to break it down, but before we do it, just kind of, Give us your background. You said you're not a media guy, but man, you write well. You got great information. Tell us about the Beach Prospects Analytics. And if you if you if you're not aware of it, go to Beach Prospects uh, on Instagram or Beach Prospects Analytics, and he's got the link right there in the bio. You click all these articles: the Southland Conference and the A Sun and CCSA. They're all there. Tell us how that kind of came as a part of Beach Beach Prospects. Yeah, Eric, that was, uh, you know, it, it came about uh, again. It wasn't it wasn't necessarily planned. Right. And Beach, and Beach Prospects Analytics came about a year after I started Beach Prospects. And so, you know, I, I always, uh, you know, even as a coach, I was heavy into analytics. I thought in order to know how you're doing and how to improve, we needed to measure things. And, um, you know, and so I, I took that. Uh, you know, that belief or that, you know, that um, that philosophy. And I and I, I brought it to, you know, the advocacy that we're doing now for clients. And, uh, you know, one day it just hit me. I have tons of data. We're, we're researching data on a daily basis. You know, um, things as mundane as how many programs are, you know, in each level and each division and and how many programs are in each region or each state to, you know, how well are they doing? What are teams winning records? Uh, over, you know, three, five, seven year periods of time, um, you know, how many players are on their rosters over time? Are, is this a program with a big team or a small team typically? Uh, have there been changes to that over time? Does that change when coaches have come in and out at these programs? Um, what are the average size of players there? How big are their blockers in this conference versus others? So we were doing all that already as an incident of our belief that having that information would be good um, would help us to be better advisors for our clients, right? So um, we were already doing that, and then I thought, why don't we, why don't we have a little fun and make some of this information that we have public, right? I mean, we didn't want to give away the farm um, because you know we thought that was part of the special sauce that we could bring to some clients. Um, but but I thought, well, let's share some of this because I don't see it really out there. I, it's not available <laughs> it's not. anywhere. 
And, <laughs> and, you know, I started to look at big time sports like basketball and football who were ranking teams and ranking the ranking the teams outside of the rankings and, and, and how many programs are in areas and, and how are teams doing and who wins, you know, championships more than others. And I, so I really use some of the things that are being done in the so-called bigger sports of basketball and football. And I said, well, let me apply this to beach volleyball. I have the numbers. And then it just becomes a, a matter of doing a lot of math, updating it and finding someone better than me to do the graphics. And so that's how it started because we were already doing it. And I thought, let's have some fun and put it out there. And it's been received wonderfully. So it's a little bit of a motivator to keep doing it. Um, and that was the graphics part of it. And then I got, you know, typical me, you know, I tend to really get focused on things when I do it. And so I we were doing the graphics and then I thought, geez, why not do some stories that describe how we came about, you know, what our process was for the graphics. And so then I started writing articles and, and, and you know, that blossomed into more and more and more. And then I said, boy, you know, these, it's the same 10 or 12 teams we always hear about in the press. And, you know, the media seems to be hyper-focused uh, in all sports, but certainly in beach volleyball too, on, on the best of the best. And certainly those teams and programs and coaches deserve that attention. But I thought, aren't there other people out there? Aren't there other teams? Aren't there other players? Aren't there other great stories out there that we don't hear about, right? So I started to try to bring some attention to those stories. Again, both as, as to keep myself updated so I can be great and knowledgeable for my clients, but also because I like writing and, um, you know, and fun to share it. So that's kind of how analytics came to be. That's awesome. That's awesome. And and again, I told you, uh, Doeys, Richie, and Cassidy, uh, big geeks. You know, like the content. And so let's <laughs> let's talk about the tournaments that are taking place this this coming weekend. Really starting Thursday, Wayne. And let's start with CCSA. You know, these are the big guns. There's only six teams in this conference, but four of them are in the top seven in the nation. TCU, the second straight year, the number one seed, 31 and one overall. But it was Florida State who won this tournament a year ago in Huntsville. How do you see this one? Yeah, this is going to be incredibly fun to watch. And, and I really wish I was going to be in Huntsville uh, watching it, but I'm going to be in Fort Lauderdale Conference USA. But this one is stacked, um, you know, in this conference as in others, there's going to be some phenomenal teams that don't make it to, to Gulf Shores. But, um, you know, why not go with the favorite? I think, you know, it would be a little bit crazy if we went against TCU. So, you know, we've picked TCU as the winner here, but fully acknowledge that, it's almost reckless to pick against Florida State, who's never lost the tournament ever. Uh, and even last year when TCU was dominating everybody in sight, you know, Florida State found a way to somehow beat yep. TCU in this tournament, right? So, um, you know, it, mainly for fun, we picked TCU as the winner, um, you know, but, but you know, Florida State is obviously an unbelievable juggernaut. And, and you know, uh, let's see if, you know, Grand Canyon can get past South Carolina, right? I mean, um, that's going to be a great one. And if Grand Canyon gets past South Carolina um, and, and the, the TCU Grand Canyon match is going to be you know, an, an unbelievable war there. Uh, LSU, I expect, would get by Missouri State. Um, and, and then that LSU Florida State match should be, again, another, another unbelievable match. So that second round is going to be um, incredibly competitive. And the unique thing about the CCSA, you know, is that, you know, we, we've frankly projected, you know, on the road to Gulf Shores that TCU, Grand Canyon, you know, LSU and Florida State are going to get there. That's what we think. And we just don't know what door they'll go through. Right. We think that those four teams will be there and, and which door they go through, whether it's a, you know, an AQ door for winning the conference or whether it's an at-large bid, you know, is is secondary to the point that I think all four teams are going to Gulf Shores. 
real quick, just for those of us that that don't know the numbers of um, automatic qualifiers, the AQs, and you just said you think at least three at-large bids coming out of the CCSA. How many AQs and how many um, um, teams will get um, invited to this tournament? So that field will be 17 teams, an unusual number, but 17 teams, and 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 they'll be selected uh, in two groups. Right, you'll have nine uh, automatic qualifiers, and that just means the winners of each of the nine conferences. And then you'll yep. have eight other teams to round out the 18, which will be selected at large. And this year, for the first time ever, those selections at large will be made without regard to region. So there's no longer like we have to pick some from the east and some from the west. It's 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 literally. Uh, you know, the next best eight teams in the committee's judgment go. So that'll round out the 17-team field. Excellent. All right, let's go to Conference USA, where it's Florida International and Florida Atlantic, the one-two seeds. They're in the top 15 in the latest national AVCA poll. There's Tulane right there having a fantastic season. Your old school with Coach Easy now at 22-8. and Terry Del Conte's team at UAB. I mean, you know, there's four teams in my estimation that could make a run at it. Is that is that how it lines up for you? And who's your pick? Yeah, we like those four. You know, I think they those four have done a good job to separate themselves a little bit from the crowd in Conference USA. Um, you know, FIU and Florida Atlantic are obviously separated themselves at the one and two, and so are on opposite sides of the bracket. Um, you know, I, I would look for UAB to get past UTEP in the first round there. Um, and then face off against uh, FIU. And then um, certainly we would expect Tulane to get by Jacksonville State and then uh, get into the next round against Florida Atlantic. So much like the much like the CCSA, the second round is going to set up some incredible matches. And, you know, we've we've picked FIU to win it. But, you know, we're not pretending we have any special, you know, insight into that. I mean, to pick FIU over at Florida Atlantic or Atlantic over FIU is, is you know, the way we see it is really a coin toss. Um, uh, you know, outstanding, outstanding um, two teams. And, and the, the wrinkle here is, you know, it, it's a little unclear whether an at-large bid will come out of this conference, right? Um, you right. know, certainly the AQ, whoever wins it gets the AQ, of course. But, you know, you think that if you're just looking at seeding, if the seedings hold, uh, you know, either Either FIU, Florida Atlantic, or Tulane will be a runner-up, we think, right? And, and, and good yes. luck to the other three teams and, and putting together an upset bid. But but it's unsure. We have we have all three of those teams on a bubble list, assuming you know any of them doesn't win the tournament and get the AQ. Uh, we have all three of those on a bubble list. And, and right now, FIU and FAU are just literally neck and neck for us on that bubble list with Tulane a little bit further down. Um, mainly on a strength of schedule, you know, issue that we're looking at despite their their 22 wins and a phenomenal season. Yes, and, and VSN was fortunate enough to be in Huntsville last year, live streaming three different conference tournaments, CCSA, Conference USA, and ASUN, where we saw FIU and UAB make great runs last season in the conference championships. Let's focus on Tulane and AL Zemet's team. And Coach Easy's squad has just done such a nice job this year, and they finished strong as well. They left White Sands and Tulane uh, in the New Orleans area this week, of course, to head over towards you in Fort Lauderdale. But before they did, we caught up with the number one pair, Molly Eberton, the transfer from USC, and Kendall Peters, 
They're the California connection, but we also talked to the threes where you got a Texas tandem of Ashton Mares and Abby Jackson. Let's listen to those players now speak about their season and looking forward to the Conference USA tournament. Hi, um, I'm Kendall Peters. I'm from San Francisco, California. I'm a senior and I am playing at the ones with Molly Eberton. I'm Molly Eberton. I'm from Saratoga, California, and I play at the ones with Kendall. Awesome. It's great to see you guys. Good, good win this weekend against Southern Miss. First of all, let's just talk about the California connection. I know you guys got a chance to go out there just recently in the season. That must have been cool. But uh, I know USC to here. How did you guys both come to New Orleans from, from California? Um, it's actually funny because we played since we were 13 together at the same club. Um, and we went to high schools next to each other. Um, and I decided as a sophomore to come to Tulane and then Molly told me that she was potentially transferring from USC to somewhere else and I suggested Tulane and she came here. So yeah. I had the opportunity to ask Kendall a lot of questions. She had great things to say and it'd be fun to play together one last time. So mm-hmm. that's an easy choice. So coming off two national championships and bringing kind of, you know, some of that winning edge over here. You guys have played awesome. You were the conference pair of the week not too long ago. What has it been like this year, kind of setting the tone on, on, on net one this year? Yeah, I think just having a lot of experience, even being able to learn, especially from USC and kind of bringing that here. Um, but then even so, like being in a different position there versus here. So I think it's been great to kind of bring that experience, um, not only to the ones, but also to the rest of the team. Um, just being able to kind of be a, like a leader for them as I had like, when I was at USC. Yeah, I think Molly definitely brought a lot of leadership from her experience at USC. And then also being a taller player on the team, too, has helped our team out a lot during practice and games. Um, just bringing leadership and just awesome. great stuff. Okay, so you, you pick up a nice sweep against Southern Miss on senior day, and you kind of try to carry that momentum to this conference tournament. What do you think it's going to take to, to win this thing? Because you guys obviously can win this thing, you know, right? You, you, you just beat, I think, UAB just recently, mm-hmm. again, after they beat you earlier. FIU, FAU, I mean, there's some great teams, but you're a great team, too. What's it going to take at Fort Lauderdale? I think we just have to be consistent with our play. I think we can definitely come out first and win conference, and we just have to get it done, focus on our side, um, play well, and just have fun. Yeah, I think, too, like we've played some other ranked teams this year, so I think just kind of coming with that same mentality of, you know, on any given day, anyone can beat anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so just taking that and with confidence and working as hard as we can to try and get that done. Yeah. Do you, how do you feel going in? Do you feel confident? Do you feel like, yeah, yeah we're going we're gonna to go and take this thing? Yeah, yeah, we feel confident. I feel very prepared, and we have film, mm-hmm. and I'm very excited. Yeah. I think a lot of preparation just throughout the season. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a nice culmination of all the hard work you've done. So yeah. just being confident in that moving forward. Mm-hmm. Well, good luck in Fort Lauderdale, and we hope to see you in Gulf Shores in a couple weeks. Thank That's you so awesome. much. Thank right. you. Hi, my name is Ashton Mares, and I am a senior on the beach volleyball team at Tulane. Uh, my name is Abby Jackson, and I'm a grad student at Tulane. <laughs> All right, Abby, let's start with you. Okay. What has this season been like from, from, from your vantage point as yeah. you uh, you transferred in? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so from transferring in, it's just kind of been a whole different perspective for me, um, just being new and trying to kind of fill a leader role, just being also the oldest on the team um, and just trying to work as hard as I can in order to, you know, show these girls, like, I want to work for them and I um, want to win for them and I want to be the best can so um yeah give us the story of your training where were you before yes. why did you pick Tulane and has it worked out like you planned 
Yeah, so I was at FAU previously. Um, I played there for three years and um, yeah, I decided to transfer because of COVID. Um, I got an extra year and so I looked at a bunch of schools and Tulane is just an awesome academic program. And so I was like, I met the coaches, I met the girls, I knew Ashton growing up. So I was like, this just seems like a really great fit. Um, and it's been honestly so much better than I even expected. And I had high expectations and just the people here are just so awesome and so welcoming and just the team works super, super hard and we all have the same um, kind of goal and mindset um, with every practice, which I just really appreciate. So it's just been a lot of fun and I, I've loved it. So you knew her action before. Yes. Well, tell us what this year has been like and what's it like of playing with, with someone that you've known and now you're a teammate with. Yeah, so um, we're on court four this year. Um, we've been going hopping between four and threes. And it's been amazing. We are 25 and five, which is such an amazing record, honestly. Um, it is so much fun being on the court with Abby. She's my best friend. She's my roommate. We do everything together. We have the same birthday. Yeah, tomorrow. tomorrow. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> yeah, so. That's insane. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, honestly, it's just like a whole new experience having your best friend on the court next to you and always knowing she has your back. She knows exactly what I need to hear in those moments, and she's a freaking stud, so. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's talk about conference tournament. Yes. You guys are leaving for Fort Lauderdale in a couple days. What are your expectations? What's going on inside? What you know? What are you thinking right now? Yeah. Um, personally, I just think um, like being the fourth seed. Like most of the time, fours and fives, you know, start. I think it might be five across. We though. all play. Yeah. So and I just your think. Old school there too. Yes. Yes. I might. I, we probably will be playing my old school. So. It's um, our second game. Yeah. So just motivated. I think Ash and I really like focus this year to just set the tone, being the first round. Um, and now being five across, like, I just, our goal is to continue to set the tone and work super, super hard. And like, um, like we want to be a secure win for our team. And um, yeah, so we're just super motivated and we're going to continue to grind this week and work on the things we need to work on. And so, yeah. Yeah, I'm super pumped. I feel like we have so much skill on this team and going into a new conference with schools that are more size is honestly like, such a blessing for us um, just considering it's so much easier to recruit people to bigger public schools um, I feel like we have really high expectations and we hold each other accountable to that not only as a pair but as a team mm -hmm. and I feel like our team has so much confidence in us that when we go out there like they know we're gonna come away on top and so that's always something really nice to have that almost like self pressure that you know you need to do this for each other but that your team like has full confidence and faith in you those players very optimistic and rightfully so. And Eberton's made a difference, right? She was part of back-to-back -back national championships at USC on net five last year, you know, competing for that national championship and winning. Now she's on the ones. And Kendall Peters, you just heard there, they, they've, they've been friends since junior ball back in 12s and 13s. So they've made a definite difference on the ones. And, man, this, this team is, is loaded. They, they're, they're deep. You know, one through six can, can beat you. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, I, I, I can remember putting a lot of time into Tulane's roster at the beginning of the year when I did, the, you know, a preview of that conference. And I think we said at the time, you know, they could very well make a run to the finals in this tournament. This was back in February, looking ahead um, to this season. And 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 nobody who's going to want to play this team, um, you know, whether that's during the regular season or certainly in this tournament. Um, Tulane, you know, we said at the time, and I still believe has, they probably have the deepest roster they've ever had this year. 
Um, and um, they they are a team that if I'm one of the opponents, I don't want to play them. They could very well get to the final here, um, and you don't want to count them out at all. They've done a very, very good job uh, on, on a nice schedule this year, and, and, and it's going to be fun to watch to see what they can do. All starts Thursday in Fort Lauderdale. Let's segue into the Sun Belt Conference. They're going to be in Huntsville playing on the opposite side of CCSA. But again, here's one of your other former teammates or former teams. And Beth Van Fleet's team won a conference championship a year ago. But this is the inaugural Sun Belt Conference Beach Volleyball Tournament. What do you see this one? How do you see this one shaking up? Yeah, the Sun Belt, it is exciting. First championship for them, right? They put together that conference last fall and kind of late in the day, but uh, a lot of phenomenal people got the job done. And and so, yeah, uh, here I think uh, we'd probably have a lot of people agreeing with us. We've picked Georgia State to win this conference and, and win the AQ. Um, it's interesting to see that College of Charleston, who didn't get a lot of attention, I don't think, this year, uh, got the two seed over – uh, Coastal, who got a little bit more of attention, and you know, and again, well deserved. Coastal had a had a pretty magical weekend. I, I want to say it was week two, and they they were able to get a, a couple of nice wins over nationally ranked opponents. At the time, uh, Cal Poly was nationally ranked, and Coastal beat them in week two. And then that same weekend, Coastal also picked up a win against uh, Washington, which I think was number twenty at the time. So. Um, you know, that put Coastal a little bit on the map. And, and, and But interesting that College of Charleston, a team we've had on our watch list all year, um, gets the number two seed. So uh, we anticipated and projected a final in the Sun Belt between Coastal um, and uh, Georgia State. But, you know, again, you know, it could very well be that the College of Charleston marches through this thing. Um, and um, that's kind of how we see it. Uh, I, I would say ULM, you know, if, if people don't notice, you know, ULM is, has put together another, you know, an otherworldly, you know, record this year. 30, 30 and two. two. That was my, that was going to yeah. be my question. I'm jumping in here. <laughs> Michael Hobson's been on the show a couple of times, 30 and two. We spoke to them um, about a week ago. Um, for UNO's first home beach volleyball match, ULM was was a part of that. And we, we got Michael Hobson aside and, you know, hey, man, what do you think about going into the Sunbelt? You're like, hey, they think that, hey, we can win it. You know, we're there. And obviously a coach has to tell his players that. I guess my question, 30 and two record, not ranked in the top 20 in the ABC, not in your best of the rest, you know, uh, you know, so out of the top, maybe 30. With a 30-2 and two record, obviously that has to be strength of schedule. But, man, that, that's still a lot of wins, and this team's got to – you got to keep an eye out for them, don't you? Yeah, you, you do. And and I'd say certainly the first half of the season, um, you wouldn't say that they played a lot of great competition. So you were seeing the record and saying, gee, what would they – what would happen if, right? But then the back half of that schedule, they did start to play some, you know, some better competition – and they were able to still string together to win. So, it, you know, you look at it and you say, wow, you know, Coach Mike, you know, had a good idea and it's coming to fruition. He was both simultaneously able to collect wins, um, but probably he would say more importantly, uh, give my players a chance to learn how to win, right? And so it, it appears as though he's done that excellently. Um, and I think 30-2, and two, I think he would say, is is – less of an accomplishment and probably more looks like a plan well executed, right? I mean, it was done by design for the purpose of developing a team into um, players who knew what it felt like to win. 
and erase, um, you know, some history where it'd been a little bit of a while since they had seen a final record over 500. So, um, so again, you know, you understand what coach was doing and it looks like given what his goal was, he's pulled it off, you know, um, very well. And, and as you said, it, 30 wins is a lot, no matter who you play, you play beach volleyball in division one and you get out there and you put five teams out there. It is not easy to win. Anything can happen. And to win 30 times out of 32 times against any, anyone is, is itself a little bit of an accomplishment. So it should be fun to see if ULM can, uh, you know, pull something magical off here. In this I'm pulling for him. I'm, I'm, I love that team. I'm, I'm real excited about him. I can't wait to see where, how they fare. Hey, the number six seed in the Sunbelt conference is Southern Miss. Sean Taylor has his team. They, they, they're so close is what he told me when they came last weekend to play Tulane. They've been so close so many times. And he was like, man, if we just got one of those big wins, he was feeling that it could have led to two or three or four wins, got them on a roll. They win 15. They're the sixth seed. Three of the well, four players on his roster and his starting lineup hail from Louisiana. We had a chance to speak to three of them. We didn't get Taylor Pierce. She was busy taking care of business on the twos, but we did talk to uh, Morgan Perry, true freshman out of Baton Rouge uh, on the fours, and Madison Cassidy and Kelly Garraway, who are now the teammates on the fives. And so we got three of the four players talking about their season and talking about this first Sunbelt Conference tournament. Uh, hi, I'm Madison Cassidy. I'm a sophomore at Southern Miss. Hey, y'all. My name is Kelly Garraway. I'm a fifth year at Southern Miss. Kelly, let's start with you. Wrap up this season for us as you get ready for a conference tournament. Wrapping up the regular season, what's it been like for Southern Miss and for you? So this season has been marked with a lot of growth. Um, we know that the sport of beach volleyball is rapidly growing, and so you either got to jump on the wagon or you get left behind. And so it's just been a season of jumping on the wagon and, and growing and um, just kind of like raising the, the, the expectations and um, just working hard and um, having a lot of fun with it. How would you sum up this year for you, Madison? Um, definitely have had to adjust to change. Having to adapt to things. Adapt to things, being a, a defender and now going to a full-time blocker and then going right side to left, back to right. It's definitely a lot of change, but it's growing as me as a person and a player. So I'm super excited to bring it into conference. Being on the court this year, being able to play, being able to contribute, what has stood out this year? Give me some of the highlights for you, whether it was a match, whether it was a win, whether it was even staying close against a Florida State. What has been your highlight this year, Madison? I definitely think me and Kelly at Florida State, we played Florida State, LSU, and LMU, and it was very close matches the whole time. And then also uh, TCU playing LSU with Ashlyn Ruff, we went 31-29 first set. So it was a very close three-set game, and it's just, it shows that we can do it. We just have to keep putting forth work and effort. Kelly, what about you? You're highlighted this season. Yeah, so I think this season for me has been mostly about just, you know, having joy when I play. You know, I'm getting closer to, you know, my adult years and moving on from collegiate sports. So I've just been trying to focus on having fun with it and just kind of taking in the last moments, being present with the girls. And it's a lot less about the volleyball than it was in years past. It's a lot more about the people and the relationships and just having a lot of fun with it. All right, coming up to conference tournament, I want you both to kind of give me your, your expectations and, and, and what, what needs to happen for Southern Miss to kind of reach their goals this coming week. Yeah, so I think that the main thing for us is if we play with confidence and we play with aggression, 
I think we're going to be just fine. I think we're going to do a really, really good job if we can keep those things kind of in check. Because um, when we play that way, we play some dang good volleyball. I definitely think knowing we can do it and having the ability because we work hard every day and we support each other. So going in with confidence and knowing we can do it is what we need to do. So taking it day by day, point by point, match by match. Best of luck to you. Thanks so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Hi, my name is Morgan Perry and I'm a freshman at Southern Miss. Morgan, tell me what this freshman year has been like for you. You're starting as a freshman at a Division One college. I mean, that's, that's got to be pretty exciting. What's it been like for you? This season has definitely been rapid, rapid growth. I didn't break the lineup until we played at LSU, but that was honestly something really special because I feel like I worked my butt off at the sixes and sevens, and I tried to just jump in every game I possibly can could. But playing with Ashlyn, another freshman, we've had to learn how to compete at a fast-paced game, swing hard, be aggressive, hit our shots. So it's been really fun. What was that? that week like when you went back home to Baton Rouge, you found out you were going to start, then you played at LSU Stadium, you've been there so many times growing up. When did you find out you were going to start? When did Coach Sean tell you? Um, we played the first day and I had finished my three matches playing at the sixes and sevens and I finished my sixes and sevens match and he said, Morgan, you're up at the fours. And so I got up and grabbed my water and I went to my bench and I chose heads and I played my first game. But it was definitely a full circle moment. It was cool. All right, well, take me through then to now, wrapping up the regular season here. Tough match against Tulane, another you know tough college, top 20 team. Tell me about the growth that you've had this first year and your expectations going into the postseason. I think I started the year off pretty timid. And as I got into the lineup and started playing girls, I had to become more physical. So every match became, I want to score this point, I want to be the one to get served, and it had to be a more aggressive mindset. Tell me about the conference tournament. What are your expectations? I just want to go out, no regrets. Swing hard, pass well, go for everything. It's a drop the mic moment. I think we should wrap it up. Nice job. Thank, Thank you. you. So three of the four Louisiana connections we just hear from, and, and again, excited, you know, had a good season. They've won more than they did last year. A lot of youth on this team. What do you think about Southern Miss and Sean Taylor's group as they go into this inaugural Sunbelt Conference tournament? Yeah, Southern Miss is, is an interesting team because they have put together a, a year this year better than, you know, some previous years, and they they've played some really good volleyball. They haven't been particularly close against say you know the elite you know the top 10 or 12 teams uh when they faced them but but point number one is they did face them right so you know southern miss is at a point in its its program history where it's you know it's not a beginner program so much anymore and and coaches really trying to put his players in an, in an uh, you know in an environment where they get to play and see some of the best of the best, and I think that that is part of his philosophy. But against teams like uh, like UNO, teams like uh, which is a, a really nice program, made an incredible run in the Southland Conference um, just a, you know a few days ago. Against teams like uh, Corpus Christi that won the Southland, which we think is an exceptional team and probably the best unranked team in the country right now. Um, they did well, right? They, I think there was a 3-2 win in there or 3-2 uh, matches in, in and against those opponents. So Southern Miss, I feel like, is a team that's on the cusp. They're playing a nice schedule. They're playing the right schedule for them, I think. Um, and, you know, it, it's a team that I think if, um, 
you know, given a little bit more time and if they can uh, get a couple of those recruits that, you know, they're fighting for, right, you know, with everybody else, that's something that can change that program around. I think two players uh, and a nice one more really good flight on that team can start to turn some three twos against into three twos four. So I, I like Southern Miss. It'd be interesting to see what they can do in this tournament. The last conference I want to break down and get your opinion is the Pac-12. And again, you start at the top here. UCLA, the number one team in the country, 32 and two overall. And number two seed is USC. They're only the two-time defending uh, national champions. They're the third-ranked team right now in the country. I mean, what a powerful juggernaut at the, at one and two here, Wayne. Yeah, unreal, right? And, uh, you know, the Pac-12 in many respects, in many respects, resembles the CCSA, right? Incredibly deep. Uh, yes. We'll see numerous, numerous teams from the Pac-12 and Gulf Shores. Uh, we'll see multiple at-large bids come out of the Pac-12. And, and, and much like perhaps the TCU Florida State 1-2 seed, you know, you could probably just toss a coin and, and call, uh, you know, USC the no one seed and UCLA the two. I mean, we're really splitting hairs there. Um, you know, both of those teams obviously will end up in Gulf Shores. But but um, it should be incredibly exciting and incredibly high level volleyball, you know, out of the Pac-12 as usual. And, you know, for them, you know, we, we like Cal a lot. Um, you know, oh, okay. who doesn't, right? Yes, uh, you know, we yes. actually went out – Almost for fun, we you know I actually projected Cal gets to the gets to the final. So um, nice. I, I don't think that that would be crazy to see it happen, you know. But it's um, you know just because it's more fun to just outline the four, you know, the top four seeds yeah. and go with them. But but we love uh, USC UCLA obviously. Um, Cal, you know, we expect to have a really great tournament. Um, and uh, Stanford, we expect to have a really good tournament. So. Um, we, we, we have those four teams going to Gulf Shores again, you know, whether at large, three of them will be at larges, one of them will be an AQ. Um, and you know, we also have Washington on our, as a bubble team for us that they've had there an amazing go. year. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, Derek Olson right. uh, over there has done a, an unbelievable job. It's their first full season really as a ranked team. Right. Um, you know, and they've done a, a, an excellent job. And last night, you know, late into the wee hours of the morning, we were kind of crunching the numbers again for our bubble teams and, and Washington looks very, very good in that race. So um, there will not be many at-large bids available. Um, you know, we think somewhere between zero and one, literally, um, depending on which conference winners, you know, uh, come out of the conferences. But but Washington, for us, may be uh, the top uh, at-large team right now. So um, the, the Pac-12 could end up with five names uh, out of their conference into, into Gulf Shores. So. Uh, really interesting That's, race out there. No, there is. There is. And, and again, I guess that leads us to, I guess, our, our final question for you. Um, teams to watch that that are, are on that bubble. And you just said uh, Washington. And I think I think you earlier, who, who else did you say that you love? Was it Coastal Carolina or was it Char Charleston? One of those schools that you had right up there. Give us your best of the rest, I guess. And that's something that you've really, you know, done a good job with all year. You know, the, the North Floridas and those schools. But coming into this weekend, who do you who do you like and who do you think, you know, makes a run possibly as a dark horse to make it to Gulf Shores? Yeah, so the teams that we have on the bubble and we include teams that might win their conference, you know, we have, you know, we have Georgia State in there because, you know, they're a bubble team if they don't win their conference. So, 
you know, Georgia State, Pepperdine, FAU, FIU, Washington, South Carolina, Tulane, and Arizona. So if you group all of those programs up, some of them are going to win their conference, and so they won't be in a race. Uh, they won't be in that bubble race to the at-large bid. Um, and so, you know, you assume if Georgia State wins, then they don't have to try to fight for one of those bids. But right now at the top of the list, assuming they don't win their tournament, we see Washington maybe the best at-large team uh, right behind them, you know, and perhaps even overlapping, we see um, uh, FIU, FAU, uh, and Pepperdine. So those four, we think, have really separated themselves in what I'm calling a bubble race, which is the teams that, that we would look to first for any at-large bids if they don't win their tournament. Um, you know, Tulane is a little bit lower on that list, uh, as is Arizona and South Carolina, but but that's what we're looking at closely. It'll be very interesting to see, um, you know, who surfaces because they're not done yet, right? They could still pick up some uh, very good wins in the conference tournaments and improve their how, resume. How deep is the Pac-12 when you got the seventh seed Arizona on the bubble to, to possibly uh, get in that large bid? But look, we really appreciate your time. We liked it so much that – and I haven't even asked you this, so I'm just going to ask you right on the podcast. Do you think we could have you on next week to project the national championship tournament at Gulf Shores? Yeah, let's do it. That, that'd yes. be super fun. And, uh, yes, let's do it. I'll, uh, we'll, we'll make sure we're prepared. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, and I will too. I'll try to make sure I got some questions lined up for you. On the way out, tell people how they can you know, follow your work. And if they're a prospective beach player that wants to go to college and their parents need some guidance, how they can get a hold of you. Oh, sure. So, yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're uh, the best place to probably start out is just go to our website, beachprospects.com. We try to just do a little bit of explaining about who we are there and there's a contact button. So best way to do it is just reach out, send us an email and say, Hey, we'd like to chat. And, 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 you know, we, we love to talk to anybody who emails us. We hop on the phone and we'll spend an hour with you. And it, it's less important to us that you work with us and more important that when you hang up the phone, we've got you pointed in the right direction. So, Awesome. Super happy to do that. If anyone wants to call and reach out, hit the education button over there too. We write a lot of the stuff, Eric, that you and I talked about today. We put it up there. It's free. We're not trying to sell stuff. We're just trying to get people to, uh, you know, have some information that they don't otherwise have, right? And, and sure, it's both sure. contains the stuff we talked about today, but recruiting tips that it's all up there. We're on Instagram, Beach Prospects, and of course the analytics too. So Beach Prospects analytics and. You know, we hope you enjoy and read the stuff. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a pleasure doing it. So we're glad people are reading. That's awesome. Hey, great stuff. Thanks so much. It's great to get to know you. And as, as we said, you know, beach volleyball, volleyball geeks, we, we, we tend to stay together. So, uh, like I said, I've already <laughs> bugged you for another appearance on the show. And we're not even done with this one. Thanks so much. And uh, uh, have fun in Fort Lauderdale. Tell us how uh, all our teams are doing there. Tulane, UAB, you know, we got uh, some Mount Carmel girls on uh, FIU. Man, have mm. fun. And we'll talk to you in a week. Very good, Eric. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to you soon. You got it. That's Wayne Holly, again, former Tulane Beach Volleyball coach, now running Beach Prospects and does a fabulous job. We're down to our final break here on Digging It with Eric Ritchie, brought to you by Bayou Granite and Marble. When we return, what's coming up on VSN this weekend? Well, there's plenty. I'll tell you when we can return. Great job. Great job. Yeah, that was 
since 2000, Bayou Granite has grown to be Southeast Louisiana's largest fabricator of stone countertops. From precise laser measurements to state-of-the-art water jet and CNC machines, we can handle your kitchen and bath needs as well as any commercial projects. Let our expert staff design and customize the right material for your home or business. Stop by our new state-of-the-art fabrication facility and showroom today at 9622 East Main Street or call us at 985-637-4911. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. Hi, my name is Will Sermon from St. Charles St. John Parish Farm Bureau. On behalf of my entire staff, I want to wish all the players and coaches the best of luck. Real service, real people. Just about time to wrap things up here on Digging It. Before we do, let's tell you what's coming up on Varsity Sports Now this weekend. Well, it starts with lacrosse. That's right. LHSLL playoff action. The first weekend of two takes place all this weekend. Looking forward to plenty of coverage, quarterfinal action, Division Two, Division One, and then the Division One Final Four is the next week. But plenty of LHSLL playoff action on VSN this weekend. Also, high school baseball playoffs. The VSN affiliates like Ascension Catholic and Lutcher, both hosting the best of three game series. We'll have all those games for you on VSN this week. That will do it for another edition of Digging It. It was an awesome show content-wise, guest-wise. Certainly enjoyed it. Want to thank Jake Palmer. Want to thank Wayne Holly. And really, best of luck to all our teams taking place this weekend in college conference tournaments. For Justin Thomas, our director, I'm Eric Ritchie. So long, everyone, and thanks for watching.